0: So I want to pick things up again today, and I want to talk about another aspect of your finances. And to do that, I want to uh, talk about this man right here, Jeff Bezos. I don't know if you know this, but Jeff Bezos is now the richest individual, the richest person in the world, worth roughly $110 billion. He's now beaten my hero, Bill Gates, for the top spot. Earlier this year, you may recall that he and his wife got divorced and there was a big divorce settlement thing. And how much would she get? In case you're wondering, she got 4%. 4%. She made out really well, 4%. Married to him since 1993. Um, Some of you are giving me a look like, that ain't right. (laughs) Okay, well, okay. So she, Mackenzie Bezos, has actually... Uh, signed the Philanthropers' pledge. So Warren Buffett has this pledge that if you have more than, I think it's a billion dollars, that you will pledge or promise that you will give away half of that money. And all of the richest people in America have signed it except guess who? Jeff Bezos. He's the one person that has not signed it. In 2017, uh, Amazon actually acquired Whole Foods, I don't know if you know this, it's part of their grocery strategy. And earlier this month, they made the news because they cut the health benefits of 1,900 workers at Whole Foods who were part-time so that they could quote, uh, uh, oh, I got the quote right here, so that they could better meet the needs of business. Y'all are looking at me like that's terrible. I feel like there's a spirit of judgment here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you are internally judging Jeff Bezos, I wanna let you in on the fact that that's normal, right? We do this as Americans, don't we? We kind of judge people by their actions. And, And for us, for all of us in this room, there's this category of rich people, right, that we have. And there are rich people who are great, and then there are rich people who are just jerks. Why? Because they're stingy, they're not generous. And, and we judge them for that. Um, and we do this all the time. It plays out in our community with uh, the Corman folks, right? If the Corman group helps out with something, they're great. If they don't help out with something, well, those skin flints, why? Because they have so much and we have this expectation of them. But Jeff Bezos, if, if I could characterize him for today, it would be this, right? So uh, this is actually our own David Brantley in costume as Scrooge, but the story of Ebenezer Scrooge written by Charles Dickens, I think if there was somebody in American business today who probably fit the bill of a modern day or a contemporary Ebenezer Scrooge I'd pick Jeff Bezos. I don't know about you, but that's who I'd pick because he seems to kind of care about the bottom line more than people. So in case you're not familiar or you didn't have literature in high school, Ebenezer Scrooge was this mean-spirited, stingy guy. And he had a guy working for him named Bob Cratchit whose son was ill and the Cratchit family didn't have the money to treat young Tiny Tim's illness. And Scrooge was so tight with money, he wouldn't even give poor Bob Cratchit coal to warm the office as he worked, right? And so what happens that night, he goes home and he's visited by his own old business partner who had died, who's like, scrooge beware i like the muppet version because it's got singing but you can pick whatever version you like patrick stewart's got a good one too okay so the ghosts come right and and scrooge is taken back to his past and then he's taken to the present and then he's taken to the future and over the course of these journey of these journeys what happens his heart changes And by the time it's Christmas Day, he's beside himself and he's panicked because he's wanting to know, is it too late to make a difference? And of course it's not, right? And so the Scrooge of Christmas Day is a different person than the Scrooge of before. Now, if if we were to contrast Jeff Bezos with, say, Bill Gates... Just this year so far, Bill Gates has given away $35 billion, right? So the Gates Foundation is doing all kinds of things. They, they're working to control malaria. There are certain parts of the world where it's bad, okay? Uh, controlling infectious diseases, basic health care, basic nutrition, basic san- sanitation. If I were to ask you a question today being astute Americans that you are, and I were to ask you, who is a more generous person, Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, what would your answer be? Bill Gates, Bill Gates. yeah, um, and, and so what if Bill, uh, what if Jeff Bezos gave away $2 billion? Would he be as generous as Bill Gates yet? Nope, and isn't $2 billion a lot of money? It is. So here's the thing, generosity is always in proportion to what you have. We know this intuitively. My freshman year of college, I was short, I didn't have money for books. A guy on my floor gave me $500. He had $1,000 in his bank account. He gave me half of what he had. I remember that today. For, for my grandpa John at the time, who was a multimillionaire, if he had written me a check for $500, it's still $500, but it would not near have been as generous as what Talmadge Payne did for me freshman year. You, you catching this? And we judge it this way all the time. So generosity is always determined in proportion to what you have, which is why it's never about a number, but, but about a percentage. And so... I wanna encourage you today to become a Scrooge and not the Scrooge of the Jeff Bezos kind, but the Scrooge of Christmas Day, the Scrooge who's had his heart changed because you see the world the way God sees the world and you're just generous, okay? And so in order to do that, I wanna get into one of my favorite passages, okay? And it's in Matthew chapter 6. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus said more uh, about money than he did about salvation than he did about heaven and hell. Um, of the 17 of the 38 parables in the New Testament are about money, he said, he, Jesus talked and taught about money three times more than love, seven times more than prayer, eight times more than belief. It's crazy, it's absolutely crazy. It's insane, okay? So apparently there's something profoundly spiritual about money and stuff. It's not just something that's separate from it. And so I want to teach from Matthew chapter six today because Matthew chapter six has something to tell us Americans about generosity. But it's also because this passage means a lot to me. It's, this passage is the reason I'm a pastor today because when I read it for the first time, I was convicted for how selfish and stingy I really was. It just hit me, boom, boom right between the eyes the first time I read this passage. So let's just get it in get it in, uh, verse by verse. And we'll start in verse 19. Jesus says this, "'Don't store up treasures here on earth "'where moths eat and rust destroys them, "'and where thieves break in and steal.'" Treasure, right, is something that you value. Everyone has treasure. There are things that you treasure. It could be people, it could be a job, it could be any number of things. But treasure is the stuff that we try to keep and hold on to and protect and keep secure. And I don't know if you know this, but you use debit cards and electronic banking today in the first century world, there was no internet tier, double tier. There was no internet and there were no banks. And so if you wanted to keep stuff that was valuable, secure, you would go hide it in a field. You would put it into the uh, walls of your home and mud it back up. You would hide it that way. But of course, if you keep something in the walls of your house, it can be corrupted by mold and other things, especially if it's an expensive fabric or something like that, right? And so Jesus is speaking to things that, were, that people of the time understood. Um, but he goes on, and that's verse 22 and following. Your eye is a lamp, or wait, that's verse 20, sorry. Store up, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So treasure what you treasure and your heart are linked. It took me a long time to figure this out. Um, One of the ways that God helped me figure it out, I've told this story before, the first time Jenny and I got a brand new car, it was the first brand new car we ever had, brand new, did I mention it was brand new? Right off the dealership, right off the dealership floor. We drove it to see my parents. We went and parked at a mall. My dad was driving. He pulled in real quick and beat someone into a parking space. We went into the mall. When we came out, the car had been keyed. I'm guessing the person that dad took the parking space from got mad, right? In that moment, I could feel the (laughs) on the inside, and at the same time, I could hear this voice in my head, where is your treasure, Max? And I was like, no, in a Darth Vader kind of way. And so, (laughs) and so, literally, Like a few months later when a friend of mine's car broke down and needed to borrow a car, I felt God in my heart was like, are you going to lend him your old car or your new car? And you know what I did? I lent the new car because I wanted to make sure that the hold on my heart wasn't there, right? So, you know how this works. There are things in your life where, right, and churches can get this way. I don't want us to be that way in the new building, right, where we put signs on the door that say, no food or coffee in the sanctuary, and you've got police, and you spilled, you're going to hell, like that kind of stuff, like, no, let's not do that, right? But we can treasure things more than we treasure people made in God's image, okay? So... John Wesley understood this. He said, I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. And somebody from my alma mater, Jim Elliott, put it this way, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Okay? So Jesus then talks about eyes, verse 22 and following. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness, and the light you think you have is actually darkness, and how da- deep that darkness is. Two eyes. When our eye is focused on what the heart values, it becomes a conduit that, that, that uh, allows things to go in and out, right? And so a good eye, in this passage, understanding how the Jews interpreted things, is single-minded. A good eye is another way of saying generous, So we might say of Bill Gates, Bill Gates has got a good eye, and we might say of Jeff Bezos, if we were talking in first century speak, poor Jeff Bezos, he's got a bad eye, Brian, poor guy, bless his heart, (laughs) right, bless his heart, that poor Jeff, he's got a bad eye, he just can't see things clearly, right, and so that's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about these things, about eyes and hearts and how they're linked, And then, of course, the kicker is verse 24. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I've always thought this is the oddest thing. He says, What do you think of when you think of the opposite of God or the opposite of goodness? Would would money make a top five list? I'm gonna go out on a limb for things like, you know, Hitler. <laughs> Hitler bad. Jesus good. Slam dunk, got it figured out, or Satan, Satan bad, very bad, right? Jesus good, God good. I, I just money would never make my top five list. And yet, this is what Jesus says, right? You cannot serve both God and money or the way they've updated the translation, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Um, the, the mammon, the money thing, the word that Jesus used, it means money and possessions. Um, and, and I get this in a way I just didn't understand when I was younger. So uh, I mentioned my grandpa John. Grandpa John was a self-made multimillionaire um, back in the day, back in the 80s. And one of the summers when I was at college, I went and flew out to Las Vegas and worked for him in his shipping department and shipped stuff off to, to people. And one night we were having a conversation and he would always, he had something, he drank something every night that smelled like mint. I don't know what it was, but it, was, it smelled like mint and it had ice cubes in it. And he would, he would down about seven or eight of those. <laughs> and by the time he was done, woo, watch out, because he was big bad John at that point. He was a scary guy. But this, we were on about the, he was on, I didn't drink, I went to Wheaton, so he was on his second drink, and we were having this conversation, and um, he, he admitted that he had been going to this church, this charismatic church in Las Vegas, and I was like, Grandpa John, you're, you're going to church? He goes, yeah, I go about every three weeks, and we kept talking, and I felt like Maybe I should explain how this works. And so I kind of laid out the gospel. Jesus lived the life we should live and died the death we deserve. And da da, da, da Like I, I did everything right. I crossed all my T's. I think I've got at least three of the four spiritual laws in. And, and, and when I was done, Grandpa John goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I get all that. I get all that. God lets you in based on grace. It's not based on your performance. I get it. He says, but I'm concerned that God wants my money. And I'm gonna tell you right now that your grandmother, Nana Angel, she's not gonna have it. And of course the younger version of me, I was like, whoa, God would never ask for that, Grandpa John, you can just, right? The me of today, I I I would know in that moment, oh. So the me of today, if I could go back in time, I would say, Grandpa John, that's great. I understand that you get how this works, but clearly, right? You're not willing to let go of everything so you're probably not ready yet to fully surrender to Jesus, right? Because Jesus, when he comes in, he doesn't want to just be an advisor, he wants to be king, right? And so, I, I, yeah, it's, it's why, by the way, Martin Luther, uh, he would speak about three conversions. Martin Luther said there's the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. <laughs> that was 500 years ago, that was silly. Um, So, here's the thing. Money and hearts are linked. We know this because we judge rich people by how generous they are or how stingy they are. And I just want to remind you that as we're talking about financial smarts, that one of the ways to be smart about your money is to get to a point where you can be generous. Because it, it matters, it matters in how you're managing your money and the flow of money in and out. So let me ask a couple of, a few questions in light of what Jesus has to say. One question is, am I giving away a percentage of my income right now? Am I, or is 100% of what comes in the door going for just team me or team us, right? Am I giving away a percentage of my income right now? And the second question, am I okay with spending 100% of what comes in on just me or my family? Am I, am I okay with that? Or would I like to change that? And then lastly, what percentage of my income would I have to be giving away for just me to think I was being generous? Forget what everyone else thinks, right? Like, what would that be for me? Like, what would that percentage be? So in order to make this practical, I wanna, I wanna talk about what this means taking it home. I really believe that generosity is about percentages and it's not about numbers. If, if for me to write a check today for $100 is not near the big deal that it was when I was 20, right? And so it's, not the, it's never about the amount. $10,000 doesn't mean anything. If Jeff Bezos gave $10,000, we'd all go yawn, like Jeff, you sneeze that every time you sneeze, poof, oh, there's another $10,000, <laughs> right? But, for somebody who's been working and saving, say, as a janitor to give away $10,000, all of a sudden you're bowled over. You're like, whoa, what's going on? That's, that's radical generosity. So pick a percentage and just start giving. It, what Jenny and I did is when we made that decision and we started um, we picked 10% and we, we picked it on the money that was getting deposited into the bank. That's called your net pay. I don't know if you know there's a difference. There's the money that you get and then there's the money that technically you get. <laughs> that's called gross pay and it's really gross because you don't get it, <laughs> okay? Just want to remind you of that. That's why it's called gross pay, right? It's gross because it doesn't work out for you. Works out really good for Uncle Sam and some other things, okay? So Ginny <laughs> so, and it, that's where we started. We just started giving 10% based on what was going into the bank every, every, every given month. But rather than worrying about an amount a month, like $25 a month, or $100 a month, or $1,000 a month, don't forget. Remember when we were talking about debt, and I said, if all you're focused on is the monthly payment, you're gonna miss out? The same's true with generosity. Forget about the number, think about it in terms of percent. So if, based on what's coming in, just pick a percent. And if 10% scares you, or 20% scares you, or start at 1% because you wanna know what? 1% is still greater than what? Zero. zero. It's still greater than zero, so you're taking a step. Woo! That's exciting, okay? So pick a percent, right? And then I'm g- this is the part you would expect from a pastor, right? Give the first, pack, the first part back to God. We're a part of the family of God that's been around since God first made this promise to Abraham. And the Jews and the early Christians did the same thing. The first part of their income would go to the temple, the synagogue, the local fellowship, and it would go there. Um, I would urge you to do the same thing. And I know that some of you, because it's America, um, you've got objections because, you know, churches can waste money, and I'll get into that in a minute when I answer some objections. Uh, But I would just urge you to give the first part back to God, whatever that looks like. Because um, you're here and not somewhere else. And then lastly, remember money is just a tool. Money is not evil. Money is not good. You shouldn't serve it. It's just a tool. It's all it is. Um, in the hands of Bill Gates, money is providing clean drinking water, getting rid of malaria. In the hands of Jeff Bezos, it's making Amazon stock prices awesome. <laughs> okay. Money's just a tool. That's all it is. And so, right, just remember that. Uh, And so how you use that tool reveals something about your heart. That's all the connection I want to make today. Well, some objections that you might have. First and foremost, Max, the idea of giving away a percentage of my money scares the snot out of me. And when I sneeze, trust me, there's not $10,000 coming out. There's nothing coming out when I sneeze, right? I get it. I get what it is to be afraid. I get what it is to be concerned. Did you know that this passage right here, do you know what the very next thing Jesus says? Let me read it to you. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to drink or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in your barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Right, Jesus understands that worry is a legit thing. It's a a legit deal. Um, So I get that you might be afraid, um, but at the end of the day, I hope that you would get to a point where you can say, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm starting. I'm going to do 1% or 1.3% or whatever it is, or 10%. I'm just going to trust, okay? And the second part, uh, the objection you might have is, well, I don't want to give money and have it be wasted. So here's the good news about being at Generations and not some other place. Take a look around. <laughs> Take a look around. There is not a million dollars in this room <laughs> in terms of gadgets, gizmos, all kinds of cool things. Um, you're not at uh, a Joel Osteen's church in Texas. You're at Generations Community Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Um, and so there's a diff- what I'm saying is there's a difference. Um, The highest paid employee here is me. I make $35.5 a year. That comes to about $13 an hour. So if you're doing more than $13 an hour, you're doing better than your old friend, Max. If you're doing less than $13 an hour, I'm doing better than you, right? So that's how that works. But no matter how you slice it, I don't think any of you in this room would go at $13 an hour, man, people are getting rich off of the money that comes into Generations Community Church, right? That's not the case. So I just want you to know that when you give back and you give back to God through the local congregation that calls itself Generations Community Church, those dollars work hard for the kingdom and they're spent responsibly. And at any time you want to see the books and see every last shot and tittle, you can just ask. You can email Daniel Pike or Lisa Young directly and they'll make sure you get all the figures because we don't have anything to hide, right? So I just want to answer those objections. Here's why the issue of generosity matters to me. Um, I read people talking about the future of the church in America, and they'll say things like, well, you know, full time pastors are going to become a thing of the past because, you know, people just don't give the way they used to. Or the church isn't going to be able to do the kinds of things it did in the past because, you know, people don't just give the way they used to. And When I hear those things, I get it in my head, but there's a part of me in my heart that's like, wait a minute, are we basically saying it's okay to just not be as generous as the previous generation? And that their level of what was it 2.7% of giving was so generous beyond the pale, like we're okay with doing less than that? Is that what we're saying? I sure hope not. I, I don't accept that for the church in America and I don't want you to accept it either the early church stunned the Roman world by its generosity, by going into the trash heaps and adopting children, by tending the sick after the plagues, and by caring for orphans and widows. The early church stunned the Roman world. And when government gets to the point where it starts throwing things off the bus because government's trying to take care of everybody right now, it's gonna be a tremendous opportunity for the church to once again stun the world by our own generosity. Generosity matters, so I just wanna say to you today in the middle of this financial series, don't be the Scrooge of the Bob Cratchit, you can't have any coal. Don't be that Scrooge, be the Scrooge of Christmas Day. That's the Scrooge that became a father to the city that they remembered for years and years afterward.